Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, good start to another week. I'd like to ask you to stand with me, hold your iPhone up, your iPad, your Bibles, whatever you're carrying that uh, would qualify as a sword. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's power in declaration. That's what we were uh, doing today is declaring and making a choice to step into the fight. Uh, When Jesus created the world, he did it with a spoken word. There's power in what you say. There's power in what I say. There's power in what we declare. That life and death are stored in the power of the tongue. Paul said, we believe, therefore we speak. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're lacking faith today, you're not a bad person. You're just a person that needs to hear more of the word of God. In my worst days, I get out my declaration notebook and I began to just speak scripture over my life and over my circumstances. And I have to do it on a regular basis. I would love to tell you I do it every day. And probably in some way I do, but not the way I'd like to. And how many of you know that you can sit around and and look at all the things you've done wrong and the days that you've missed and the things you haven't said, the things you haven't done, and you can dig the whole of your life deeper. Or you can say, today marks a new day for me. I am going to do things differently. I'm going to say things differently. I'm going to declare things differently. Because when we talk about our problems as though they have overcome us, then we dismiss to some degree the power of the cross that Jesus died on, not just to bring salvation to our lives, but to empower us. The Bible says that he's able to do more than we can think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in us. How do we get the power to work in us? By declaring God's word over us, keeping the word of God in our mouth, in our heart, declaring it, meditating on it day and night. It's so easy to allow these things to escape us in the good times when our Christianity and our faith is working smoothly for us. But then the day comes when a wheel comes off or we hit a bump or we face a wall or a mountain that seems insurmountable in our lives. And we go, hold it. Everything was going fine last week. Everything's been great the last month. And man, I like that. I pray that it would always be that way. However, it's been my experience that in this world, Jesus said in John 16, 33, you have tribulation. He said, you just have trouble. And many of the afflictions of the righteous, he said, but I deliver you from them all. He said, take courage. I've overcome the world. These are things that we have to declare on a daily basis so that we don't lose hope and and we don't lose faith. Listen, Satan cannot just come and steal from you. Why? Because greater is God in us than he is in the world. We have the greatness of God. The challenge is he's a liar and he's a deceiver. 
And deception will always come before destruction. He will always come to first deceive you so that you can be destroyed by your own choosing. He does not have any power over your life except the power of deception. He has been defeated. The Bible says the devil is under our feet. He is submitted to the authority that you and I possess in our relationship with Christ. And you know what? A lot of people get saved thinking, man, this thing's going to be easy. Let me just tell you something. Christianity is dirty. It's just dirty. Anybody who wants a clean faith is not going to possess the kind of faith you need to live in a fallen world. Listen, man, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. We've all been stolen from. We've all allowed deception to, to overtake us from time to time. And, and you know what? It, it's easy sometimes just to walk away and disappear. In, in, in June of 2014, I was like, like one second away from getting in my car and driving to New York City and just disappearing in the crowd. It was just, just a moment in time. I just thought, I'm just out of here. And then I came to my senses and thought, what does that accomplish? I'm abandoning my children. I'm abandoning my grandchildren. And, and they need to see a demonstration of faith in my darkest hour. And trust me, there has never been a darker hour than June of 2014 for me. And in that hour, I had a decision to make. Either I believed that what Jesus did on the cross and what he did in my life was real and everlasting, or I had to drive away, and I chose that night to say, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stand and roll up my sleeves, and I'm going to get dirty, and I'm going to fight this fight. There's a world looking for victory, and it lives in you, and it lives in me. Christianity is filthy. Ask Jesus how filthy it is. Walking down roads and women with issues of blood, and we only know of one of them, but that story's enough, and they're pressed in around him. And, and then, then, then you find lepers coming up and crying out for healing lepers. We're talking people with diseases. Their limbs are falling off. Their, their digits are falling off. And Jesus doesn't run. He got dirty with them, and he reached out, and he touched them when everybody else was avoiding them. We gotta be real, man. We all need help. Everyone in here, we're just a piece of this beautiful mosaic that God is, is putting together to show a demonstration to the world, a picture of what it's like to stand together in your darkest hour and not have to be perfect. We all wanna go, man, I don't have any issues. Let me tell y'all something. I want you to pray for me every day by name. Don't just say we pray for everybody. I want Mark Anthony Crow toss me up specifically. I need it. I, I tell you, man, I got to the place where I saw, you know, I can get through anything. I know enough of the Bible. I know enough about God. I've been a Christian a long time. And all of a sudden, you just kind of get in this autopilot mode when you, you think everything's going to be fine. You've got to stay at the helm. I don't ever like it. If I see two pilots in the cockpit and neither one of them are in there, I don't like it. I don't care if there's a great autopilot and the plane's supposed to fly itself. I want somebody in the cockpit. You can't walk away. From the helm, you can't walk away and just expect God to fly this thing called faith on his own. We got to stay diligent and awake. Got to fight. I remember thinking through people I prayed for, people that I, I watched pass. And my pastor dying in his 50s and, 
and, and probably one of the greatest men of faith. And, and it jolted me. I'm thinking, man, you know, and, and the reality is we don't know the timing of God. And that's not what's important. What's important is knowing the person of God, not the timing of God. You know, I, I don't even care about death anymore. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't scare me. I don't care. Because guess what, man? I don't have to pay bills no more. I, I'm not looking to die today, but it doesn't scare me. And, and a lot of people live in fear of death. Oh, my goodness, what if I die? You're going to. 100% of us in this room today are going to die. Aren't you glad I'm encouraging you today? And so if that's your fear, get over it and live life abundantly and rise up and say, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And sometimes you have to declare that in your darkest hour, on your worst day, when you've lost everything, you have to rise up and say, look, God must have something better for me or that wouldn't be gone right now. God never makes you trade down. He's always looking for you to trade up. The problem is we measure life by what we see and what we possess instead of what we don't see and who possesses us. I am possessed. I've been possessed since 1977. There's times, there have been times I've tried to dispossess. <laughs> it really is a word. And say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to allow you to be the Lord of my life in this moment. And you know what? He says, I, you can do that all you want. I told you I wouldn't leave you and I wouldn't forsake you. So good luck. It never did work. It has never worked, and it will never work. Once you say yes to God, he's like one of those sticky mouse traps. Don't get mad at me. It's the best I could come up with. It's just hard. You can't get rid of him. That's why sometimes we're so miserable is you want. Have you ever been around somebody you just don't want to be around them because you said something bad about them and you're ashamed? And, 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 and it's like you try to get rid of God, and God's like, I'm not going anywhere. But I'm ashamed. God, God's not going anywhere. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last week. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We have to make dirty choices every day. Choices to do what Jesus did when, when it's hard to love, when it's hard to forgive, when it's, when it's hard to be nice to people who are mean to you. It's a choice every day. And the only one that hurts, the only one that suffers when we choose not to forgive or love is not those who are not loved and those who have not been forgiven by us, but we're the ones that suffer. We suffer. And we need to make those dirty choices saying, God, I'm going to love people who have been mean to me. I'm going to love people who have done me wrong. I'm going to love people. I'm going to be nice to people. And trust me, you're looking at a guy who probably has to fight this more than most people. I'm, I'm triple A personality. It's like to me, I'll forgive you, but I want to hit you first. <laughs> Any of you feel that way? I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I know it's wrong. I get it. But, but that, I have to go through the process of God forgive me because right now, rather than forgive, could I slap him first and then say, I forgive you? Isn't that the way you feel sometimes? Come on, am, am I the only one here? Is this a real religious, righteous group? 
It's the fight we fight. Everybody has their own fight. Some of you fight depression. Some of you fight hopelessness. Some of you fight being a fighter. Some of you fight being mean. Some of you fight doubting. Some of you fight fear. We're fighting a fight. Identify the opponent in your life. Mine is just slowing down and saying, God, please take their license away from them. For they cannot drive. Okay. It was a cathartic moment. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. And I'll quickly be done in a moment. This whole month, I'm going to be talking about dirty Christianity. What it means... To be a true Christian. Being a true Christian doesn't mean you don't have problems. Doesn't mean your life is perfect. And God knows it doesn't mean every kid you have is going to grow up to be just right. The more you have, can I help you with something? The greater the risk. (laughs) I have five. I don't know why. I love them all. But I'm like, God, what did I do in my past life? But just... You know, having everybody love you, everybody be nice, everybody get along, doesn't happen. And you know what I want to tell you? Is you just need to learn to love what is and love those, love those who are. Love what is, love those who are. If you will love, love will never fail you. Love will never leave you. God will bring back to you the love that you've sown because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And so what we have to realize is that we get to sow unto our future. Whatever your harvest is in the future is a result of seed that you've sown in your past. Wouldn't it be great if you put an apple seed in the ground and and, and like tomorrow you wake up and there's an apple orchard? Wouldn't that be great? Because I'd go into business. But the fact is it, it takes cultivating it it takes patience it takes waiting it keeps it it takes so much for that harvest to happen and here's what happens some of you sowed a seed of faith today some of you came forward and expect a miracle today and you haven't seen anything and and you get up tomorrow and and you go out and you expect and it's not there and and next week you go out and expect and it's not there and next month you go out and expect and it's not there and here's what happens man i must have not have done this thing right let me tell you sometimes it takes a while Sometimes you just, have to, you just have to persevere and say, I will never, ever give up. I'm going to have the life that Jesus promised that I would have. Amen. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving out. I'm not giving in to feelings and emotions that, that oppose biblical truth. And so in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Adam lay with his wife Eve. She became pregnant, gave birth to Cain. She said... With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks. Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Verse 4, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. The dirty choice. Abel decided that God was worthy 
of his first and his best. That God came first. Cain looked at his offering as an obligation. Now, I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about life. That in our life, we have choices that we have to make that work against the grain of our flesh. There are certain things I want. There are certain things that I need. And there are certain things that I know, if not everything, I must surrender to God and say, God, I want these things your way. So you're going to get the first and you're going to get the best of me. Every day that I can, I'm going to get up and I'm going to say, God, thank you for this day. I have been told to rejoice and be glad in it, and I shall. Sometimes it's Monday morning, and in our world, in America, Monday is said to be this. Get back to the daily grind. How many of us have heard that? How many of you are encouraged by those words? Just the word grind in there is enough to depress most people. And then the daily grind means there's going to be more than one day that we have to grind it out. Listen, as believers, we should be skipping so much and smiling so much that when we walk into the office, they want to drug test us. <laughs> just being so giddy about God that, that you just you can't contain it. And they look and say, what's up with you? It's Monday. Isn't it an awesome day? Because in heaven, there is no Monday. There is no Tuesday. There is no Wednesday. It's just another day that the Lord has made. And then when you say that in the office, they'll want you to see the company psychiatrist. This is the day that the Lord has made. No, it's Monday. No, it's not. On my calendar, every day, it says the day the Lord has made. And then under its subtitle, I will rejoice. I will be glad. You say, but you don't understand. Here's one thing I do understand. There's not a problem that I will face that Jesus hasn't already won. I got to get the victory in me. You got to get the victory in you. Thank all 20% of you. It's a choice. Thank you. It's a choice. It's just a choice. It's a choice. And we all have the power to choose. That's what I love about life. People say, why didn't God do something? God will never invade your free will. He'll never invade my free will. I have a free will to make whatever decisions I want to make. Now, there are consequences to some of those. There are rewards to some of those, but they're my choices. Let's quit blaming anybody else for the choices we made. I made my choices. Some of them have been good, and some of them have been ridiculously horrible. They were my choices. But after I made those choices, I have to make other choices like every day. You have to make them every day. Cain and Abel had choices. Abel saw God differently than Cain saw God. Abel saw God as God, as worthy, as, as uh, worthy of worship and worthy of his best and worthy of his first. That's how he saw him. And your perception will create your response to life. How you perceive something will determine the choice you make. If you perceive something as valuable, then you will treat it as valuable. If you perceive it as invaluable or not having no value, then you know what? You probably won't treat it real well. Well, we only paid a buck fifty for it. But if you bought a Bentley, you go, well, that's valuable. We paid a lot for it. 
and you treat it as such. Abel saw God as valuable. Cain, like, well, he's, you know, he's just whatever. I'll bring him some of what I've produced, I have produced. And that's what he did. And God says I, he didn't look with favor on that. And not that God didn't love Cain because he did. But God has set principles in motion in his word, promises after the principles. But there's a process in between the principle and the promise of God. So you have the word of God, which is a principle. Do unto others, you'd have them do unto you. So that's a principle. So now the process is when somebody's not good to you or somebody is good to you, you do to them what you would have them do to you. So the principle is do unto them as you'd have them do it. So now you get an opportunity. Somebody's mean to you. How would you want to be treated? Well, treat them the way you'd want to be treated. That's the process. And then the promise of that is that you're going to be blessed because you're obeying the word of God. You're going to find blessing in that and joy in that because that's what God looks down upon. He says, you found favor in my eyes. As he looked at Abel and said, you found favor because your pursuit was me. Now, look at this. This is a Barna survey. It's a guy. He's, he's a statistician. I've studied him for years. And here's what he says. An increasing number of adults in the United States are picking and choosing the concepts and values they have, that appeal to them from a variety of religions. Now, don't miss this because this is what's happening in our country. And listen, man, I'm not mad at anybody. I love everybody. But let me tell you something. There's a fallacy in believing that just any God will do. And just any religion will do. Because this is not about religion. This is about a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. The one that created you, that says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Created in his image and his likeness. There's a uniqueness about our relationship with the God that we call God. And we're living in a world where there's a new theology out. And a very dear friend of mine got sucked into it. And let me tell you why he did He's a brilliant man, but his grandfather died, and he could never recall that his grandfather had given his life to Christ. And he was very close to his grandfather, and so when his grandfather passed, he began to study Scripture and, and try to find a way to make sure his grandfather got to heaven. Now, let me stop here and say this. You don't know if somebody's going to heaven or not. Whether you ever heard them declare faith in God or not, you don't know. But even if you do know, there's nothing you can do to alter that situation. Except try to deceive yourself into believing something different than what the Bible says. And the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's real simple. But the gospel of inclusion says this. Everybody's going to heaven. They just don't know it. The argument and debate here is that God is a merciful God. And if he is who he says he is, then he won't send anybody to hell. My response to that is very simple. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose to go. God is simply honoring his word. And let me tell you why he's honoring his word. Because those who don't choose him have exercised the free will that he gave them. And they have decided they don't need him. Please get this. Because this is the great argument in the world in which we live, that we're trying to explain a God who hung the stars and created the universes and the galaxies. That's the God we're talking about. So I'm going to try to explain him outside of the realm of what he's told me to be absolutely true. And so now we have to deal with this issue. So he decided 
that since he didn't want his grandfather to go to hell, and please, I'm kind of off track here just a little bit, because this is a little bit of about, let me tell you something. There is an eternity. There is a heaven and there is a hell. You don't have to be afraid. That's not the point. I used to be scared to death of going to hell. I'm not at all scared. And you say, but, but you've been an idiot. Yeah, and so have you. But the reality is, I know this. God knew I was going to be an idiot or Jesus died for absolutely nothing. It's just a fact. If anybody on this earth was going to be perfect, then Jesus shouldn't have died because they were capable of being perfect and, and they should be able to stand up and say, I've done nothing wrong. So take the other seven billion plus people and send them to hell. No, he knew everyone would need him, that we would all need him. That we would all require, be required if we're going to be with him. This is a fight. Dirty Christianity means, you know, I'm going to have conviction. Now, let me tell you, I don't argue theology anymore. I have two degrees. I don't argue theology. You know why? Because there's not much theology really to argue. Do people pray in tongues? They're not praying in tongues. We believe in healing, not believe in healing. You know, all you have to do is get sick enough and you'll believe in healing. This is in my theology is, well, you may not believe in it today, but wait till you're thrown up. Anyway. So the challenge is, is believing the word of God and allowing the word of God to work in your life. The challenge is, there are a lot of things flying around out there. And you know, I love the fact that the world wants peace. And you watch all the Hollywood Grammys and Emmys and mommies and all those things. And... And everybody's saying the same thing. Here's the problem. We can't change the world situation. We must change so that the world situation will change. And there's only one change agent in the entire universe, and that's God himself. I want peace. But the Bible says he'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because they trust in him. There'll be no peace without God. There'll only be criticism and judgment about others who aren't allowing peace to happen. It's just a big cycle of criticism from one group of people to another. Instead of looking and saying, you know what, I'm a part of the problem, but I found the solution. And if we will love without fail, then failing, the, the, the love will always work in our lives, and it will raise us up. Barna says this, approximately two out of three Americans, 63 to 66%, believe the following. Number one. There is no such thing as absolute truth. You want to talk about the greatest deception of all? No such thing as absolute truth. Well, if there is no such thing as absolute truth, then why would I call on the name of the Lord to be saved? Don't need to. Why would I do that? And let me tell you, we're dying because we don't believe in absolute truth. Folks, I'm not talking about denominationalism. I'm not talking about any of that. I, I, I've preached in the largest Catholic churches in the world, and I've preached in the largest charismatic churches in the world on every continent. And let me tell you, there's one thing I've preached that never fails. When I was in the Catholic Church, I simply preached these words. The last words of Mother Mary was, when she looked at Jesus and said, do what he said do. I always pointed to Jesus. And they never got mad at me. Because I wasn't disparaging any of their theology. I was just pointing to Jesus. If you'll just point to Jesus all the time, you don't have to have arguments. 
I just look and say, you know what? For you, you can think what you want to think, but I know for me, the only way I'm going to go to heaven is through Christ. You can believe what you want to believe. I'm going to believe that. And I'll tell you what, we'll talk another day. Maybe. <laughs> conviction about your faith. We've lost conviction in a world that wants to create no absolute truth. And it's painful when I stand and watch people because I love everybody. I truly love everybody. You know, we have people in this church from every walk of life, and I won't even tell you who they are. I know who they are from every walk of life. You say, well, how do you allow that? It's real simple. I'm not God. I'm called to represent God. And as far as I see it in the Bible, Jesus went around loving everybody, healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. It doesn't say he was healing all who were faithful. He said all who were sick and oppressed. And who came to him and pursued him and believed in him. We argue things that have no eternal consequence. The eternal consequence is this. We get to heaven one way. And Jesus said, I am that way. I am the truth and I am the life. There's no way to get to the Father except by me. Folks, I, 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 I got to believe that. It's very clear to me. I don't care if it's Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew. I don't care English. It doesn't matter what language you say it in. That's the way to heaven. And the reason we despise it is because we have to admit to ourselves in the world that we are incapable of living a life so great and so perfect that I can get to heaven without Jesus because I can't. Every day I need him because every day I either sin or have the greatest desire to. You cannot imagine. And some of your minds are in the gutter. I'm just saying I have that incredible capacity. And so do you. I, I am a wealth of sinful behavior. That every day I fight this good fight to say, today... I believe in absolute truth. There were sin abounds. Grace does more abound. So at the end of the day, I, just, I, just, I can just look at the devil and say, today I sinned. Guess what? But grace abounded even more. I don't rejoice in my sin. I rejoice in the fact that one died to take care of my sin. And I acknowledge it every day. That's absolute truth. And we live in that world. Just so you'll know, we live in that world. Secondly, all religions pray to the same God. They just use different names. That could not be further from the truth. Yeah, there are people that give them different names. You know, you got the little fat round guy. I'm sorry if that offends you. I don't mean to, but I'm so politically incorrect. I'm done trying. I mean, I ain't mad at you if you're a little Buddhite. But he did not die for your sins. Okay. Now, I know that I'm not supposed to say that, but I just did. And, and it's okay. I believe I was supposed to say that. Now, sometimes I do that because I just want to see if you're listening. And if you walk out right now, I think you're with the little round guy. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm so glad y'all got touched by God before I preached. 
I could mess it up in a heartbeat, I tell you. The reason I'm sharing this is because we live in a world without conviction. People without conviction are people without passion. And people without passion typically have no purpose. And if you have no purpose, you walk aimlessly through this life. What do you want to see happen in your life? Dirty choices we have to make. Cain and Abel had to make choices. Abel made the right choice. Cain made the wrong one. And because he didn't get God's favor in that moment, rather than turning to God and saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I, I want to bring you the, not only some of the fruit of my I want to bring you the best and the first. See, we get mad. We get mad. We get angry. And the Bible says the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And so our anger actually builds a wall between us and our obedience and our, our God's promises and his purpose for our lives. Don't get mad. Repent. Turn to God. And then thirdly, the purpose of life. This is what two-thirds of American people believe. That the purpose of life is to enjoy oneself and to reach personal fulfillment. Basically, what they're looking for is people just want to be happy. The Bible says, in God's presence is fullness of joy. Happiness is not a pursuit. It is a result. If your pursuit is happiness, at best it will be hit and miss. If your pursuit is God, then in His presence you will find everlasting joy. In your darkest hour, in your greatest circumstance, in your filthiest hour, God will be there. When I wanted to leave, I knew I could run, but I could not run away from what I knew to be true. It didn't matter where I went. It wouldn't matter where you go. You can't run and escape what you know to be true. And I knew what to do, and I did it. And every day I have to know what to do, and I have to do it. We have to make choices, people. You chose to get up and be in church today when it's ridiculously, demonically cold. And I promise you, Adam and Eve never experienced what we experienced because they were naked. And I'll tell you, Eden was not cold. And here you got up and you came and you said, I'm choosing to go to church. Why? Because something inside you said, I want something from God today. Even more distressing than the popularity of these Notions is the fact that 55% of those sitting in pews in Protestant churches on a given Sunday in America have never accepted Christ as personal Savior, even though many of them have been attending church for 10 years or longer. The reason that they haven't, in my estimation, is we have preached a very soft gospel. I don't want to be guilty of that when I stand before Jesus. Now, I don't want to preach mean because I don't believe mean does any good at all. I want to preach hope. I want to preach life. I want to preach joy. I want to preach peace. But I want you to know to have those things, you have to step into a relationship with God. You can't just say, I go to church because church is not God. We're, we're not. That's, not. that's not what this is. This is a celebration of God. But the church does not save you. Being in a chair in a church does not save you. But making sure that you've said yes to God. Yes to Jesus. Giving him authority 
in your life. There are days that will remove him. There are moments in my life where I remove God from a decision. I remove God from the throne of my heart. I know that. I'm ever so painfully aware of those moments. But there's one thing I've never done, doubted who he is and his place in my life. But the reality is sometimes we have to make those dirty decisions that deny our flesh and ourselves and, and say, God, I, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I didn't want to come back here. This was nowhere on my list. To me, I'm living dirty Christianity. Every day of every week that I'm in this city, I have to face everything that this whole city knows I did. Every day. And you know what I've learned to do? Hold my shoulders back and smile and say, I'm back. And some of you say, I'm tired of hearing it. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So you're just going to have to get used to my testimony. Because I want to glorify God in everything that I do. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are those of you just like me. Like all of you. Which really makes me feel better when I say that. We're a work in progress. We're a people that need God every day. It wasn't a one and done deal. It'll never be a one and done deal. It's an everyday deal. And I want to challenge us today. Step into your place, personally in your life, in the house of God. Be a part of what God is doing. The best way to stay connected to people in your family is to be a part of their life and work with them. Have a relationship with them. The best way to be a part of the family of God is to step in and do something. Look, the reason I'm challenging you is because this is... As much as I love having you do something here, what I love about it more is every time you serve anywhere or you serve anybody, you die to yourself. You die to self. I mean, I was watching these people stand out today out there with signs saying you belong here. I thought we were going to go have to get chip ice off of them. You know, but they, they just, they come and they stand. They didn't say anything, but they express their love for God and their love for you. All we are, people, is facilitators of the glory of God, facilitators of the hope of God, facilitators of the forgiveness of God. That's what we are. We are a mosaic. We are a bunch of pieces of broken people coming together every Sunday to create a picture of God's forgiveness and grace. And if you are a picture in and of yourself, you'll never fit into Mosaic Church because we're just a chip off the old block. That's all we are. Just a piece of God's puzzle being put together to demonstrate to a world. I mean, you know, one of my favorite, my favorite sitcoms, and, and I know I'll be judged by religious people for this, but I was so moved by the song and the camaraderie of Cheers. Sorry. Yeah. Thank those of you who clapped. I'm sure we'll get emails from the rest of you. Anyway, the reason was, is, as much as you might disagree, they, there was, they, were, they, they stuck together. I mean, you know, they, they just stuck together. And you know why the world loved that and why it stayed on so long? Why friends stayed on so long? Because it's what we all want. We want people who will stick with us and support us and, and, and forgive us. And that's, what, that's why those programs have success. 
And guess what? God meant for the church to be that picture. Instead, in the church, we beat people up. We cut people down. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox here, but folks, the reality is, why don't we prop people up? Why don't we shake them and say, you can do it. You're not getting out of here. If you try to leave, we're sending 10 of our strongest people to your freaking house. <laughs> try to leave, Mosaic. Just try. <laughs> Beat on your door. What happened to that kind of love? Because that's exactly what God did when he sent Jesus. He said, you know what? Y'all think you can escape this because of Adam and Eve? Uh-uh. I'm sending my son. He's going to knock on your door. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Isn't that what he means? He came to every heart and every life. And he stands and he knocks. And he says, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. In your seat is a servant leader card. I can't even get to that. Just sign it. Do something for God. <laughs> Heck, I, somebody came up and said, I want to do everything. I said, just do something. We don't need you to do everything. Just do something. And you know what? We really don't need it anyway. You do. Wouldn't it be great if we had like 30 people out on Northwest Expressway with signs? You think that might get some attention? You say, I'm too good for that. Really? Not here, but there were some 930 people. I know they, that's what they were thinking. Not you all. Uh-uh, not a chance. But sign that. Fill it out. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I want to pray. But before I pray, listen very carefully to me. There are those of you that may represent 66% or 55%, whatever it is. 55% of people who've gone to church for more than 10 years, Protestant church, who have never said yes to Jesus. Now, this is, hey, look, man, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to get you good. You say, why haven't I done that yet? You know what? All of us are shy and ashamed that, you know, something in us, our sin nature goes, man, do I really need God? What's everybody going to think of me? That was my thing. What's, what's everybody going to think of me? What do I have? To, what's that look like? What's that feel like? Having to say, I gave my life to Jesus, man. And that's what we think. We measure our decisions and our choices by other people's opinions and criticism. You got to stop, man. You could be the one that, that starts the whole domino effect of somebody just waiting on you to say yes to God because they don't have the courage to do it before you. I was the last one in my family. And because my older brother was my, one of my best friends, baddest guy I knew, when he gave his life to Jesus, January, February of 1977. I was like, I'd lost my best friend. What are you doing getting saved? What are you doing doing this God thing? Well, it took about six months, and I went, I've lost my buddy, and I gave my life to Jesus six months after my big brother did. He started it. Domino effect. Maybe that's you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Man, I, I've been in church, but I've never given my life to Jesus. And those of you watching online, just take a moment. But those of you in here right now, you say, that's me. I haven't, but I, today I choose to. It's a, it's a choice. And I'm going to step up and fight the fight, fighting for my family, fighting for my future, fighting for my eternity. And I'm not going to back down. If that's you, I want to ask you just to slip your hand up right now. Put it right back down. Yeah, thank you. Others, thank you. Others, God bless. 
So proud of you. Those of you watching online, let's all pray this prayer right now. Pray it with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for my life. Today I give my life back to you. I repent of my sin and I receive your salvation. Thank you, Lord. Amen.